But this morning we are dealing with love never fails. And just to recap, last week, Sunday, by the grace of God, we spoke about the manifestation of the sons of God and we identified that all of creation has been put in bondage, so to speak. All of creation is waiting the manifestation of the sons of God and creation is groaning, travailing in pain and not only creation but we ourselves also who have the first fruits of the spirit we are also groaning within ourselves waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our bodies because we are saving our spirits by faith we are being saved in our souls through the renewing of our minds and ultimately the greatest hope will be to save our bodies or to find our bodies also being saved. So between now and the manifestation, the unveiling, the revealing of the sons of God, because First John tells us that it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as Jesus is pure. Now, in between now and the revealing of the sons of God, in between now and the manifestation, the unveiling of the sons of God, we identified in last Sunday's message that we ought to walk in love because the one who walks in love has passed from death to life. Did you get that? When you walk in love, you have passed from death to life. And the Bible says, if we love the brethren, we are already in the light. But anybody who does not love the brethren is in darkness and does not even know what he stumbles at. So glory be to God. God has given us this grace for us to uh, experience something supernatural, something marvelous this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm bringing you a follow-up in today's message titled, Love Never Fails. And I mentioned last week Sunday that I will be bringing the scriptures from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll read from the New King James Version of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. Let me read from verse 1, alright? From the New King James. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Oftentimes, when people read such verses, they quickly begin to downplay the importance of speaking with tongues of men or of angels. But I don't think that was the intent of the Holy Spirit who inspired Apostle Paul to write such things. I don't think that was the intent. It was a comparison, okay? It was to say that your tongues will not benefit you if you're not working in love. But that doesn't mean that we don't need tongues. Because you cannot even be effective in the work of love without the same Holy Spirit enabling you to commune with God at a deeper level. When we are speaking in tongues, we are communing with God at a deeper level than our mind can comprehend or appreciate. Alright. So though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. That tells you that it is the gift of prophecy that brings understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge. Okay? And, so, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, it also means that it is by faith that we remove mountains. But have not love, I am nothing. 
that does not downplay here again the importance of the gift of prophecy or the exercise of our faith. He's just trying to tell you that when we exercise the gifts of the Spirit, they must be exercised within the boundaries of love. Bible talks about faith which works by love. Your faith must be governed by love. Other than that, you can misbehave with your faith. You can make mistakes with your faith. <clears throat> you can go into error with your faith. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Alright. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. <coughs> Sorry about that. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, it is possible to be doing good without being motivated by the love of God. It is possible. Some people do good because of showmanship. Some people do good because of, um, you know, name, fame, and popularity. And so the motive for doing good and overcoming by good should be by love and nothing more. Hallelujah. So he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I'm not love, it profits me nothing. Verse 4, love, now he's beginning to give us the description of love, the definition of love. Love is one of the difficult words to define. Why? Because God himself is love. So when you say love is this and this and this, <coughs> in a simple sentence, you are wrong. You may be mistaken. And so he gave a lot of description that summarized what love is. And interestingly, this love is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. He says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So what we're going to describe from the verse 4 downwards is actually something you can do. It's something you have. Not only God, God is love, but he has put this love in us. This is the only way we can help the rest of the world to know that there will come a time when we shall and it's kind. Does not envy. That's another attribute of love. It does not envy. Love does not parade itself is not puffed up. Wow. Does not behave rudely. That's another attribute of love. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, before I go to verse 8, let me read verse 4 to 7 again. Love suffers long. As I'm reading, I believe that the word of God is the greatest communicator. We've got to find ourselves in the light of the scripture because we have this love in us. And he's saying that love suffers long. It means that God is looking at you and me having the ability to practice long suffering. Not suffering for wrongdoing, but suffering wrongdoers. Can I say that again? Not suffering for wrongdoing, you doing wrong, but wrongdoers, suffering them for long. In other words, enduring wrongdoers. Those who hate you, those who criticize you, those who mock you, those who ridicule you, those who call you names. Love warrants, demands, mandates that you suffer long such people. Love suffers long and is kind. Not only suffering the long, but also even showing kindness to the one who is unkind. Or even to the one whom your mind tells you does not even deserve kindness. That's not envy. Wow. Love does not parade itself. It's not proud. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. When you see somebody who is rude, chances are that he does not know the love of Christ. Meanwhile, that love is shed abroad in our hearts. It takes the renewing of the mind to appreciate, to understand, and to and embrace the fact that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It takes the renewing of the mind. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. This is, the, this is one of the best definitions of love. True love is the commitment to the well-being of another. I remember I preached a message before, true love, yes. True love. He said, love does not seek its own. You see, there is a, a thin line between selfishness and love. Sometimes you find somebody seeking something, but by the time you realize the person is just seeking his own or her own, and not about any other person. But true love does not seek its own. It seeks the well-being of another. And I think that one of the cardinal features God wants us to, you know, practice as we draw close to the uh, concluding days of this year is to begin to seek the well-being of one another. Let it be a passion. He says, bear ye one another's burden so as to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. And it says, love does not seek its own. What have you been seeking? Is it just about, you know, for some time we pray and all our prayer is just centered on us. We have not moved from supplication and petition to, to intercession. And these are all different departments in the same faculty. You can be making supplications and petitions, but it may be just about you. But the day you move attention or you turn attention from yourself and you begin to seek before God or seek God for the well-being of others, where you are no longer thinking about yourself, that is when you have stepped into the arena of love. Look at Job, for instance. Job 
Come on, Job lost all his children. He lost all his property. He lost everything in one day. And his wife even came and said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Because the man was full of sores. He was in pain. He was in agony. To make matters worse, even his, his friends that came around, three of them accused him of wrongdoing that he didn't know anything about. It's only Elihu, the youngest, who spoke some wisdom. But ultimately, in Job chapter 42, the verse 10, the Bible says that, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. It was not after he prayed for his, I mean, after he got well that he prayed for his friends. Job had nothing restored. He was still in misery. He was still in a pitiful, pitiable state. He was still in those sores and in those agony and had lost everything. I don't know what you have lost. But it doesn't matter what you are going through, child of God. You can still practice love. We can learn from Job. The Bible says Job took attention from all his misery, all his pain, and prayed for his friends. He didn't pray against his friends. He prayed for his friends. And the Lord, Job 42 verse 10, the Lord turned the captivity. Other versions say the Lord restored all that Job had lost. When? When is a function of time? When? He prayed for his friends. Do you know why your miracle might have delayed? Do you know why things may not be working the way you expected them? Chances may be that you are not practicing love. Where you are not just seeking your own. There are people who fast and pray and all they are looking for is one thing, not for others, but just for themselves. I am not against fasting and prayer. I am saying that oftentimes we can go before God in fasting and prayer, not just because of what we need, but because we want to see to it that others have their needs also met. That is where we have come to the place of maturity. True intercessors are people who walk in love. Can I say that again? I said true intercessors, they walk in love because intercessors don't put attention on themselves. They take attention from themselves and begin to seek the well-being of others. We are a prayer ministry, International Prayer Resort Ministries. In other words, we are a ministry that stands in the gap, that intercedes. We are not just, for the first three years, for instance, we did a lot of supplications, petitions, and it's all, it was most often about us. But I pray that moving forward, as we journey towards the fourth year, God will raise intercessors who are walking in love, who have taken attention of themselves, not because they don't have needs, but they have needs, yet they have taken attention of themselves and they are seeking the well-being of others. Look at a man like Epaphras in, in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. The Bible says that he labored fervently, not for himself, but for the church, that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That was love at work, child of God. That was a man who, who had learned to take attention from himself and begin to think about others. When you get to that arena, nothing fails. You will see it. That's not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Thinks no evil. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know your thoughts. When you are begin, beginning to be suspicious of a brother, when you are 
you are uncomfortable with a brother and you are always imagining that this person could do A, B, C. Love does not think evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. In other words, you see, people are doing wrong and then that is when you are rejoicing. That is not love. The Bible says when your enemy even falls, don't rejoice. When your enemy falls, you bow your head in adoration and say, God, it could have been me, but you spent my life. But that's not the time for you to say, Father, I thank you that that enemy, you see, our true enemy is Satan. But when a, a human being makes himself an enemy and he falls, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the fact that somebody is converted, somebody is released from in the imprisonment of Satan, somebody's blindness, spiritual blindness is removed, and his eyes are now open. That is love. Then he said, bears all things. Oh my God. How sometimes we, 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 we are not able to bear with some things and some people. But love, true love, bears all things, believes all things. What does that phrase mean, believes all things? In other words, love is simple. Love does not, you see, love gives the benefit of the doubt. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is beautiful. Then verse 8 says, love never fails. That's why I picked my, my caption from, love never fails. Maybe you have tried a lot of things. You have tried tit for tat and it didn't work. I, I recommend to you love. Try love. Love never fails. Okay? I said maybe you have tried tit for tat. You do me, I do you. You slap me, I also slap you. You have tried that and it didn't work. You are still in misery. You are still in pain. You are still frustrated. And you feel down, you feel weakened and defeated. Try love because love never fails. Or maybe death has been knocking at the door of the family and every year at a particular period, death takes, you know, somebody away. And you have tried everything, you have even consulted, you have gone beyond Christ, and you have even consulted some spirits, some fetish power somewhere. I don't know who I'm talking to now. You have even gone to ask some, some people who may also, you know, pretend to be ministers of the gospel, but you just know that these are not true men or women of God, but just because you want retaliation, you have gone beyond Christ and have gone to inquire from such people so that they can show you what to do to retaliate. Who must have been behind this sequence of death? Who is practicing, you know, this witchcraft that is killing one person or the other day after day and month after month and week after week and year after year? Can I recommend something to you? I recommend to you love. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, love is as strong as death. Did you hear that? Love is what? It's as strong as death. It means that if you want to overcome death, if you want to defeat death, like in the, box, in the boxing 
match, okay? You don't pair heavyweight with a lightweight boxer. No. You don't pair, you don't mismatch. You always pair equal weights. Heavyweight for heavyweight, lightweight for lightweight, bantamweight for bantamweight, super feather uh, uh, lightweight to super feather lightweight. Whatever your rank is, that is the match that you will be given. So when the Bible says love is as strong as death, it means that for you to be able to compete, the word is not even compete, for you to be able to contest with death and defeat death, it must be love. And since love never fails, love will always put death where it belongs. So to overcome, to overcome death, is to walk in love. That is why last Sunday we discovered that the one that is not walking in love is in darkness. But when we are walking in love, we have passed from death to life. Did you hear that? When we are walking in love, you have already conquered death. You have trampled death underfoot. Death may try, but it can't because you have passed from death to life. Oh, glory be to God. So, Love never fails. Somebody said, never say never. But here, scripture is daring to tell you love never fails. This one does not fail. If love fails, it's as, it's as um, potent as saying God fails. Meanwhile, God is love and God never fails. So God never fails. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. What does that mean? Does that mean that somebody will prophesy and then it will fail? That's not what he's talking about. He's saying that a day will come. We will not need the prophetic. Okay? Because the prophetic is only a communication of what is given in part. So we prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. We'll see it in the subsequent verses. But a day will come. Prophecies will fail to be because we wouldn't need it. That's what he means by that. Not that somebody has prophesied and then the prophecy has failed. That's not what Apostle Paul was referring to here. Whether there, be, there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. There are some people who say that the, tongue, the period of tongues has ceased. No, tongues will only cease when we have met with the Savior face to face. When we shall see him and we are like him, we wouldn't need tongues again because we will no longer need to speak in mysteries. Now, we will need to talk face to face in a plain language. But until then, we still talk them tongues. Hallelujah. Are you there? <laughs> Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Is there anybody who has some word of knowledge? Some beacious knowledge? Some prediction? Something that is mind-blowing, a day will come, it will mean nothing because you have the full picture. So you wouldn't need the glimpses. That word of knowledge God gives us now are only in glimpses. But a day will come, he will give us the full picture. Alright, we will see it as we read on. Why did he say all these things? He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. The word know here is ginosko, revelation knowledge, partial knowledge. What God gives us is what we speak forth. To prophesy is to speak forth, to predict, to make known. Okay? We know in part is partial, and we prophesy in part. Then he said, But when that which is perfect has come, when we shall 
manifest as the sons of God, we shall say that the perfect has come. When we shall receive the adoption, that is, the redemption of our bodies, we shall say the perfect has come. He said, but when which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So all that he said from these verses that uh, uh, whether there's prophecy they will fail, he's talking about the Father. When the perfect has come, the imperfect will be done away. You wouldn't need prophecy again. You wouldn't need tongues again. You wouldn't need word of knowledge again. In fact, you wouldn't need the gifts of the Spirit again when the perfect has come. Because we shall have the, the, the person who has given us the gift himself with us. So we don't need to exercise these gifts again. Oh, how beautiful that will be. When a day will come, when we shall know, just as we are known, we will get there. He said, but that, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Oh, how I wish I could dwell on that verse. You know, Apostle Paul is comparing what we are doing now, presently, in our time, in our dispensation, as a time of being a child. Compared to when we shall see Jesus and we shall receive the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And we shall manifest as the sons of God. In fact, Isaiah prophesied and said that this one will not be remembered now come to mind. He even called it the former. He said, it shall not be remembered nor come to mind. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Your thinking was childish. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There will come a time... When we will put away all the things that we boast about. This one says that I am the prophet that predicts everything and it comes to pass. A day will come, we wouldn't need that. Because we wouldn't need glimpses of knowledge. We will have full knowledge. When this one says that I am the one that manifests healing anointing or the miraculous anointing and we are even in competition, we wouldn't need that again. Because the perfect has come. Are you there? So you see why we should not boast in our giftings and abilities. But if there is any boast, we should boast in the fact that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That we can walk in love. We can do love. Next week, I'll be preaching a message titled, Overcoming Evil. You will discover in that message next week that God has given us something, just like himself, to overcome the evil, I mean, in this world you will discover in next week's message that we have what it takes to represent God truly. Oh, it will be a beautiful message, overcoming evil. Don't forget and don't, don't miss out on that. Just prepare yourself as a follow-up on what we've been sharing this month from fear not to the manifestation of the sons of God. And now today, we're talking about um, love never fails. Get ready for next week when we'll be talking about overcoming evil. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Let me ask a question. When are you going to put away childish things? When are you going to do away with the carnality and the stupidity and the childishness and the pettiness and the things that don't mean anything in the sight of God except love? 
when. All right. Maybe I'll give you time to answer that question. There are things that are no longer priority in the, in the mind of God because souls are perishing and God does not wish that anybody should perish but that also come to repentance. I pray that you'll catch God's passion and walk in his love because he's giving you that love. Hallelujah. All right. Now look at the last verse I'm going to consider in today's uh, service. Okay, the last two verses. Verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror, dimly. In other words, if somebody says, I've seen a vision, however beautiful, and however clear, and however perfect, however intricately detailed that vision is, it is so dim, like looking into a mirror. Compared to when we shall see Jesus face to face. In other words, our revelations, our visions, our giftings are shaded. They are not perfect. They are giving us to be able to live in this imperfect world. But they themselves are not perfect. So God says they shall be done away with when the perfect has come. What is the perfect? You see. But now we see in a mirror dimly. But then... Face to face. When we shall manifest as sons of God, when we shall receive the redemption, the adoption of our bodies, we shall see Jesus face to face. We shall see him face to face. We shall see him face to face. We shall see him face to face and crown. Him, Lord of all, and crown 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 him, Lord of all. A day will come. We shall see the master face to face. We shall discover that nothing else matters but the Lord alone. He is all that matters. A day will come when we shall see him. We will discover that it's not our ability. It's not how dusted you are financially. It's not how many projects you have been able to accomplish. It's not how many houses you've been able to build. It's not how much money you have in your bank account. It's not how much you've been able to, you know, do connections with government officials and connected international businesses, international doors. It does not matter. A day will come. When we shall see Jesus face to face, nothing else will matter. We will discover that this is the... The, 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 the desire of all ages. Jesus is the desire of all ages. He is all that matters. He is all that concerns you and me. Nothing else matters. He said, for now we see in a mirror dimly. What we celebrate, God calls it dimly. It's, it's dim. But then, face to face. So now I know in part. The Greek word is ginosko. We have partial knowledge. I know in part. 
It doesn't matter what knowledge that you have. It doesn't matter the revelation that you have. It's still not complete and total knowledge out of God. So long as we live in this domiciled body, so long as we live in this corruptible body, so long as we live in this vile body, so long as we have not yet received the redemption of our bodies, the adoption, so long as we have not yet manifested as the sons of God, whatever we do is only in part. It's not the total yet because our flesh is a great limitation on the glory that resides on the inside. So he said, for I know now, presently, the word now means now, I mean presently, I know in part, then it's a but then, what is then? The time when we shall see him face to face. Then I shall know. The Greek word translated know in this second one is not ginosko but epigenosko. Epigenosko means total, complete, exact, full, absolute, perfect knowledge. Then I shall ginosko just as I am ginoskoed. In other words, come on, it shall be an intercourse of knowledge. You know him, he knows you. If you meet Abraham, nobody will need to tell you that it's Abraham. When then you will just know that it's Abraham, this Moses, this Isaac, this Jacob. You will know everything. That is why it's strange for some people to ask this question that when we get to heaven, so when I see my mom, when I see my grandma, when I see my grandfather, will I recognize him? You will know just as you are known. Nobody will need to teach you anything any longer. And in fact, throughout eternity, it shall be an intercourse of knowledge. The more we know, the more we are known. And it will be knowledge intercourse with knowledge. I don't think any human mind can comprehend what awaits us. Then shall we know just as we are known. He already knows us. He already has absolute, complete, full, exact, perfect knowledge about us. But we now know in part. We know partially. But then we shall know just as we are known. Now, why all these things? Because it is when the perfect has come that will discover that the atmosphere of the believer, the true atmosphere of the believer is the atmosphere of love. So in verse 13 of these verses we have read of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says that, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. Now, okay, Presently, faith, hope, love are the three things that abide. They remain. Everything else doesn't matter. Then it's a, but the greatest of these is love. Oh my, my, my. The greatest is love. You want to be great in society? He wants you to walk in love. You want to do great things for God? He wants you to walk in love. You want to do great exploits? Walk in love. Why? Because love never fails. Everything else may fail. Your efforts may fail. Your bank account may fail. Your ideas may fail. Your intentions may fail. But love never fails. As we, you are not going to ask God for love. You're going to say, God, I recognize, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 5, I can read that scripture to you. Romans 5 5, as I round up my message. Romans 5 5, he says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit 
who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. And it tells you why. Because the love of... You see, it is love that makes hope not to disappoint. Love is a compelling force. It is the greatest force in the universe now. Why nations are fighting, you know, amongst themselves. Look at what is happening in Ethiopia, for instance. It was said that the only country in Africa that has never known war is Ethiopia. But look at what is happening right now. To the extent that even they will destroy airports so that nobody will fly out of Ethiopia. Oh my God. But when we walk in love and you have finished your terms, okay, as a president, you will say that, okay, I bow, I bow, I bow out because I love my country. I love my people. You won't begin to use, you know, uh, executive powers to now begin to change constitution so you can stay on. That is not love. Africa must repent. Africa must change. If Africa would do well, we've got to learn to walk in love. If Ghana would do well, we've got to learn to walk in love. If my home, your home would do well, my ministry, your ministry would do well, we've got to walk in love. Love never fails. I commend to you love. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to you. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Then you have love in you because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So love is there. You have it in you. And the Holy Spirit is the one who activates that love. This morning, whatever the time zone is that you are listening to me right now, you want to begin to pray and say, God, I activate myself in love. I stir myself in love. In the name of Jesus, lift your voice right now. Let's begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Activate yourself in love. Stir yourself in love. Let the love of Christ be stirred in you. This year is closing and there are things that have failed already. But why don't you try love? Because love never fails. Maybe you started that project and it didn't work. But you can and try love. Love never fails. Love will demand that instead of you seeking your own, you begin to seek the well-being of others. Instead of you just looking for your own, you know, um, fat bank account, maybe you may need to go and work for somebody so that somebody will do well. And it is what you sow that you reap. Love never fails. You've tried many things, you've attempted many things, and it did not work. But love never fails. I announced to somebody this morning, I said, love never fails. What you have tried and it did and it, and it failed might not have been love. If we are working in love and we practice love and we let the love of Christ be stared on the inside of us, we will do well. Love will cause us to go the extra mile. Love will cause us to begin to lay down our life. The Bible says in, in, in John 15, it says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. True love will make you lay down your life for others. That is what Jesus Christ did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lift a voice, son of God, and stay yourself in the love of Christ. Let the love of Christ be stayed in you. I'm saying, I'm, I'm bringing this message by the, by, the, by the instruction of the Spirit because the year is drawing to a close and you have tried so many things year after year. The right man is not coming and you are now questioning God. Child of God, keep on walking in love. You will meet Mr. Right and it will shock you. I'm telling you, it will shock you. The years you've wasted. 
The years you've waited, the years you've been, you know, trusting God will not be in vain. You will know of a certainty that when God does it, it is beautiful and he makes everything beautiful in his time. So walk in love. You keep on walking in love. Don't become a wicked person. Don't close up your bowels of compassion just because somebody failed you or disappointed you. Keep walking in love. Keep practicing love. Keep doing good. All right? One of the features of love is doing good, which we'll be sharing next week, overcoming evil. In the name of Jesus Christ, lift a voice. The love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Walk in love, practice love, do love. Love never fails. I announce to somebody, in case you failed in life, you might have failed in business. You might have failed in projects. You might have failed in your marriage. But love never fails. Let's pick up the pieces and say, Lord, ah, I'm stirring myself in love because your love is in my heart. I stir myself. I act in love. I exercise myself in love. The love of God that is in me compels me to go the extra mile. Today, I walk in love. I seek the well-being of even my enemy. That is why he says, when your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head and said do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good we will look at that next week Sunday in the name of Jesus Christ I bless your holy name. Thank you for the grace to walk in love. Thank you for the grace to walk in love. Thank you for the grace to walk in love. Love never fails. Those of us who have failed in life, those of us who have failed in our attempts to do well, to make projects work this year, Father, as we activate ourselves in love, as we stir the love of God in us through the engagement of the Holy Ghost, who gave us that love, Lord, compel us to go the extra mile. Let love compel us. Let love compel us. Let love take help us to take attention from ourselves and begin to take put attention on the well-being of others because true love seeks the well-being of others. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Blessed be your holy name. We call it done because it is done in Jesus' holy name.